0: Right now, if you turn on the TV, if you just listen to all that election stuff about it, what was it all about? The economy. It was about money. Read the newspaper. It's all about money. Some people think it looks great. Some people think it looks horrible. But but things are are starting, they're a little bit unstable when it comes to finances right now. So it's got to be on everybody's mind, especially as people uh, walk towards retirement and you're thinking, oh no, I've lost this much percentage. and, And it's just kind of unknown. So now is a great time to be talking about money because if I've got my trust and my hope put in this stuff, then as, as things get unsure in the stock market, as things get, get unsure about the economy, I'm going to have a lot of stress if my hope and my trust is here. Now, this is hard. Like I said, it's the number one competitor for your heart. So if my hope and trust is here and this is competing for my heart and then things start messing up financially with our economy and my bank account and my stocks and my 401k, it, it's, it's a little unsettling. You know, there's some things we need to learn about our money. And it's nothing new because for centuries, in fa- for thousands of years, people have dealt with this same thing. If you go way back in the Bible, in the book of Deuteronomy, when God is telling this nation called the Israelite nation what they're going to get to do in the promised land. They had been slaves for 400 years, and they're brought out of the promised land, and they've heard this promise of the promised land, this promise of the promised land. And so through Moses, God tells them, this is what it's going to be like. And he tells them, when you get into the promised land, folks, you're going to be rich. You're going to have... You're going to have all this land. You're going to have you're going to have you're going to have flocks, you're going to have herds, just unimaginable wealth. You're going to have it. Everything you invest in, it's going to come back tenfold. Everything that you try to do is going to work. You Israelite people, you're going to be in the promised land and you are going to be wealthy beyond your wildest dreams, gems, everything is going to be at your fingertips. And he's telling them this, not so they can celebrate, but he's telling them this as a warning. Because right after he tells them how rich they're going to be, he says this. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17. He says, you're going to get to this day when you're going to look around at all your wealth and you're going to say this. My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. They're going to look in the mirrors like, go me. Look at this. Look at all this stuff. Look at that. Look at what, honey, look at what we have. Haven't we done wonderful? Let's just sit back and let's just enjoy all of our money. Oh, it doesn't feel great. And, and I'm, I'm a hard worker and I'm really smart because look at, what I've, look at what I've put together on earth. Look at this. Look at all this stuff. And, and God says, this is coming. When, when you have all this money and you're rich, Just remember, you're going to start to think you're the reason you have it. You're going to think because, well, I did this and I made that decision. I'm really wise and that's why I have all of my money. And God says this back to them in Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. So when you start to feel like he's telling them, your power and your strength have produced it, he says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So if I have wealth, if I'm rich, and God gave me the ability produce, to produce it, then who does that belong to? Who You can talk. It's church. It's okay. Who does it talk to? Who, who, does it, who does it belong to? Sorry, the tapes got out of whack there for a second. If we could just get that one point, I think our view of money, our view, our investing, our contentment. If we could just get that whatever size pile we have, if we could just get that this does not belong to me, but it belongs to God. If we could just flip this switch in our head that moves from, I own all of this, to I've been given this to manage, then things would change for us overnight financially we could just get that into our head that it's really not ours, it's just God giving us some, blessing us with whatever pile we have to use for him. Back in 2005, my family had an opportunity to do something that was really cool and we've done it for for four summers. We host this little girl from Belarus and some other families do that uh, here and and with us and and we, for six weeks, every summer, she's been here for four summers in a row. And her name's Alina, and she was seven years old. Parents put her on a plane from Belarus. She came here to, to take part in the Children of Chernobyl program. And that first year, she shows up, no English. You know, we were having to type on the computer, figure out what the, you know, Russian terms were and all that. And she learned these two words in English really quickly. And they were chips and Coke. And every meal Alina wanted, chips and Coke did not matter if it was breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack, whatever. I mean, evidently, American chips and Coke are like the best in the world. That There's nowhere else that even compares to Lay's potato chips and Coke. I don't know why. I mean, Coke's all over the world, but we must make it better because that's all she wanted. Or her parents, maybe they don't let her have it. So one day, we're, we're somewhere, and Alina has her chips. And she's got that Lay's bag of chips, and she's just shoveling it in, you know, her mouth really big. I was like, hey, Alina, can I have one of those chips? She went, no. I was like, no, no, really, give me a chip. And she, no. Now there was a few things little Lena didn't understand. Number one, I bought those chips with my money, <laughs> and if I wanted to, I could just reach and take those chips out of her little hands and eat them all, if I wanted to. Another thing she didn't understand was that I could buy her enough chips to take a bath in. I mean, I could buy her, I could go to the store and get her a mound of chips and bless her with so many chips, she would never need chips for the rest of her life because chips aren't that expensive. She didn't understand that, and yet she was treating it like these are my chips, and you're not going to get any. Never mind where I, got, where I got them, they're mine. God blesses us and gives us some of us, he gives up, you know, a little pile of money, a medium-sized, you know, some huge, big pile of money. And then we have that money that God has given us and blessed us with, and, and, and we're loving it, you know, and, and enjoying it. And God says, hey, can I have a little bit of that? And we say, no, I don't think so. This, this is my money. Now, there's a few things we don't understand. Number one, God could take that money away from us like that. 700 points in a day, it could go further than that. Boom, gone. Or... You know what else God could do? God could shower us with so much blessing that we just wouldn't know what to do with it. See, if I see my money as mine, all my, I'm going to treat it one way. But if I see it as, as something I've been given to manage, I'm going to treat it in a completely different way. That changes the way, should have changed the way she viewed that bag of lace chips. It changes the way we view our money. We've been looking at this idea of being rich through the lens of a verse in the New Testament in a book called 1 Timothy. The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, wrote to this student of his named Timothy, and he was telling Timothy what he needed to tell rich people. And we've worked through this verse every week, different parts of it. And today, we're uh, at a different verse, verse 18 of 1 Timothy. And after Paul has said, don't put your trust in wealth, put it in God, he says this in verse 18 of 1 Timothy chapter 6 command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. he's saying, remind them they have to be rich in good deeds and generous. That rich in good deeds part, we're talking about that in a couple of weeks, but he's saying, remind them to be generous. So there's something that happens to rich people. There's something that happens to us as we begin to build and build and build and build that makes us not be generous that makes it it's just not natural. So he's saying Timothy, you got to tell these people be generous. Share your wealth. Don't treat it like it's all yours and just for you. That's not why God gave it to you. So something happens to us as we become rich, we get less and less generous. Why is that? God gave us wealth for two reasons. Number 1, to enjoy. You can do some fun stuff with that. I mean, I have bungee jumped. I've walked in the Grand Canyon. I have all kinds of stuff with money. It's fun. You can enjoy Bought a motorcycle. Got a concussion. Sold my motorcycle. I mean, you can... That's true. You can can buy a lot of fun. So God gives us money for our enjoyment. But he also gives it to us to be generous. We're like, the enjoyment part, yeah, I'm on. Give me some of that. But then when it's time to be generous, it's like, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. Throughout the Bible, there's a principle taught. And the principle is when it comes to generosity, that a person, when they have their wealth, that God asks us to bring him back 10%, 10%. Now, why is it as we get more and more of this, the 10% gets harder and harder? So if you've got, got $10, 10 bucks, it's it's nobody's sitting down front you too bad if you got ten bucks if you got ten dollars i'll just walk out of here if you got ten dollars it's pretty easy to um to just uh somebody's raising their hand <laughs> give a dollar away see that isn't that easy no it's yours you can keep it i won't even miss that see ten bucks gone i mean ten dollars i gave away one that's the 10 percent. now in this pocket i have I have a hundred dollars in this pocket. I have ten. You're like, man, why didn't I sit down front? What's thinking? <laughs> it's not hard for me to give away. Oh boy, this guy looks the most uh, excited. It's not hard. It's not. Let your brother have it. Come on, now. there you go. Um, it's not hard. That's yours. You can have it. Ten bucks. Never miss it. Ten dollars. That's easy. Now, if I have. $1,000, and you're going, man, I wish I would have sat down front. I'm finished with the gifts. If I had $1,000, it wouldn't be that hard to give $100. Maybe even $10,000, It would it would hurt a little bit. You know, write that check for $1,000. What if God has blessed me so much that I've got a, I've got a six-figure job? I make $100,000 a year. And it's $10,000, and you're thinking, whoa, 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 hold on a second. You know, a $1, dollar, ten dollars, a hundred, maybe even a thousand. But you got to be kidding! Ten thousand dollars just to pull it off and give it away? I mean, I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can. This is my money, and that's a lot to pull out and and give away. So how how do I do it? How how do I do it? Because see, as my income has gotten bigger, it's harder to do it. I won't I won't even think about that one that eleven dollars that's gone now. But if that was a thousand out of ten thousand or ten thousand out of a hundred thousand, that would be like, oh, you know, I would have to think through it. See, rich people aren't naturally generous. We kind of tend to, to hold on to it for ourselves. And Paul is saying to Timothy, you have to remind them they have they are going to have to remember to be generous. If I don't tell my money what to do, it's going to tell me what to do. So how do I do it? How do I get generous? How do I get to where I can just say, okay, 10%, I'll do it, I'll, I'll give it, if whatever charity, whatever church, I'll do it. How, how does that work? Well, you predecide what you're going to do. You don't, you don't just all of a sudden, okay, I'm going to do it, and you start whipping out. But you, you think about it. That's what the Bible says to do. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says, Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So don't feel guilty. Don't feel like, oh, man, I've got to give money to the church. Oh, here you go. That's why when we're talking about money, the offering is taken up before I ever say something that might make you feel guilty. Because I want you I want you to think about it. I, we want you to think through what you're going to do with your money, not just throw it in the popcorn bucket because we talked about money. No, we want you to think through it because you need to do this. God doesn't need our money, so there must be another reason that he wants us to plan ahead what we're going to do with our money. There must be another reason that he's asking us to be intentional givers. When we predecide, we do this every day. anybody know what uh, dollar cost investing is? anybody understand? Who's heard that term before? What, you know what you know what that is? That's just you. You decide that here's something I'm going to invest in. I'm going to do it consistently over time. Whatever stock, whatever fund, and you're just going to do it. Ups, downs, doesn't matter. No matter what the stock market does, what what uh, politics doesn't matter. You are going to consistently get uh, invest this money in this place. That's predetermining what you're going to do with your money. Many of you probably have a set amount just coming out of your paycheck for savings every month. And that just comes out. It just is automatically there. What happens if you don't do that? Guess what happens? You won't do it. If you don't, and I'll look and I'll have nothing and think, where did my money go? Did you ever do that? Did you ever get to the end of the month and think, I mean, I've done that. You get there and say, honey, what, you know, somebody steal something? Did you buy something I don't know about? Where this where money go? That's what happens when you don't predetermine. And it's the same with generosity. If you don't do this with your generosity, you know what you end up giving God? If you don't, you give God your leftovers. That's what you're giving. And I I hate leftovers. I don't. Oh, potatoes. So how many, how many, uh, let's see what's in this one, corn? We could have a meal. Let's see. Oh, pinto beans, nasty. Um, okay, what happens when we don't dollar cost average, when we don't predetermine what we're going to save or give, and when it comes to God, God's blessed us with all this money, and then we haven't predetermined what we're going to do with it, so we just give God what is left over. Now, how many of you, if, if you knew that somebody was coming to your house for dinner? somebody you've been wanting to have over for dinner for a long time, and, and finally they said, oh, we got a night, we got it worked out. How many of you would go home and say, well, just, honey, throw together whatever's left over in the fridge? You're not going to do that. You're going you're gonna to whip out a meal. You're going to set the table. You're going to make it worse. You're not just going to give them leftovers. But many times, that's what we leave God with. Well, God, well, whatever i got left over, I'm gonna, I'll slide that your way, but I, you know, I, I don't know about doing it up front. Okay, here's some advice. This is what you've got to write down. Somebody later is going to ask you, tell me the best financial advice you ever got. And you're going to say, my pastor gave it to me. That's where I got it. It came from him. He's, he's not only a pastor, he's a financial genius, okay? So my wife's going, yeah, right. He's, he's stretching that one a little bit. So here's my stack here's my of money. And, and here's a principle that it is in Scripture. Part of it's in Scripture, the first part. Second part is just all about wisdom. But if we do this... If we do this, you will be amazed how your life will change. All right, first thing I'm going to do. There's my money, my paycheck, however much it is. Wouldn't that be nice? But anyway, that's my paycheck. All right, first thing, 10. So here's the principle. The principle is give 10. Can you say that with me? Give 10. All right, next thing is what I'm going to do with another 10 is I'm going to what? Save 10, all right? And then look at how much I got left. Check it out. That's a lot of money. So, say this with me. Give 10, save 10, live on the rest. If you do that, I didn't think of that. Dave Ramsey, financial genius, uh, is where I heard it. But uh, it it sounds really intelligent. I I hesitate to tell you it was somebody else's. But give 10, save 10, live on the rest. If you start to live that way, your life will change in ways you never imagined. But... If I wait until the end and go, well, I'm going to spend all this, and then when I'm done, I'm going to give 10%, and then I'm going to save 10%, you know what's going to happen. These will never exist because when you start there instead of here, it's, it's different. There's something different when you, don't, when you don't predetermine up front what you're going to do with your money, and you just don't have a plan, and you just start spending, then you're out of money before you know it. So... So what, this, what these percentages represent is the 10-10-80 the principle. Write that down on your notes, 10-10-80. Because this represents all that God has blessed you with and all he's given you, the ability to produce. It's irrelevant what the size is, however much it is. You, you, you can't say, well, I don't make enough to do that, or I make so much. There's no way I'm doing that. that that's irrelevant. Whatever the size is, is what it is, is what's what God's blessed you with, that's what He's asked you to manage for Him. And when you don't do this, you treat it like it's all for you. So what would happen in my life? What's it look like when I pull off 10 and I say, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give 10? Now, I know you're probably thinking he's trying to get the offering to go up and all that stuff. I understand. I, I, I I can sympathize. I understand what you might be thinking. But this is a biblical principle. And whether you give it to some other church, some ch- whatever, God, God's principle is that we give back ten percent. And with the same intensity, I say you need to have a, an active prayer life. With the same intensity that I would say you need to work relationally to get closer to each other and closer to God is the same intensity with which I'm saying you need to pull ten percent off the top. Because when you do that, your life will change. And then you need to learn and be disciplined enough. To give right off the top. Here's what happened. Here's what these represent. This 10% right here represents trust. Simple as that. This is just trust because God doesn't need our money. Did you know that? He's not like, man, I hope they come through this week. I mean, I got, woo. they better come through with that 10. This represents trust. 100% trust. Listen to Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. He says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. And then he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And when I say, God, I am trusting you with this, because you know what he's done? He has trusted you with this, so he's saying, trust me with 10%. That's all I'm asking. Trust me with that first 10%. That's what he asked. When, when I trust this part, here's what happens. When I trust God with that first 10%, it teaches me to put God first. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23 says, The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. When I practice pulling this off the top, first thing I've predetermined what I'm going to do with it, It increases my faith in God. The only place in the Bible God says, test me, the only place, is in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, when he says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have room enough for it. That's the only place God says, test me. He's saying, you don't believe it? You think you can't afford it? Give it a shot and see what happens. Now, some... So You turn on the TV, some preachers, if you can call them that, will say, if you give this, then that Mercedes is on the way. You know, if you give this, the new house is coming. God just says, I'm going to bless you. It might be financially. I doubt it'll be a Mercedes, sorry to tell you that. But here's what it might be. It might be all of a sudden you have wisdom and understanding to handle that part better. It might be contentment with what you have. It's going to be a blessing. God promises us that. It's not promised in a financial way, but it's promised to be a blessing. So when I do this, God says, I'm going to bless you. Test me, he says. Give me a shot. And I've even thought about, let's get everybody to do it for six months. And if you're not blessed, just tell us what you gave and we'll give you a refund. I'm not going to say that. But, <laughs> but, but I'm, I mean, I'm that close to saying, this works. It's worked in my life. And you're going to hear stories in a couple of weeks how it's worked in other people's life. That represents trust. This part, saving, you know, the Bible talks about saving too. It represents wisdom. It doesn't say save 10%, but saving is wisdom, okay? In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, it says, And the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. So if you got 100% and you're just spent, 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 and you run out of it, And you say, Well, I can't give, I can't save. The Bible says that's foolish. Don't do it. It's the fools who devour all that they have. People who are wise save some of it up. You know what this represents? So that's trust. This is wisdom. You know what this is? This is fun this represents fun. This represents blessing. This represents the stuff you get to buy and do and enjoy in life. And Paul is saying, this is how rich people are supposed to act. Now, I know what you're doing. You're calculating your salary and you're thinking 10%. I can't do that. Are you crazy? That's, that's, that's like a 20% pay cut. How, if you're not doing this at all, you're thinking, how in the world could I ever get to where I'm doing that? You know, I don't know how this works, but I promise you, I have, I have witnessed people who live better on 80% of their income than people who don't do this and try to live on 100 and spend it all. They, they, there's something about it when you predetermine, when you start to discipline yourself, there's something about this 80% just goes further. I think it's because you learn some, some things and you get wise and, and you, you start to love this stuff less when you start to give more of it away. And, and so somehow, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> somehow people live better on 80% who do this than those who say, no, this is all my money. I'm going to hang on to it. It's all me. You know, as you read through the Bible, you'll find out that you were not meant to live on 100%. God never, even in the Old Testament, when they didn't even have currency, when all they had were, you know, flocks and grain and, you know, crops, that was it. Even then, he said, bring me the first 10%, the first fruits, I want them. Show me that you trust me. This is a principle that's been throughout all time, that you can live better after you've given to God off the top than you can if you never did that and those numbers don't add up I don't know how it works there's something spiritual and supernatural about it when you start to say I'm going to predetermine, and this is the way it's going to work intentional giving intentional saving and you know what happens I've seen this time after time as money starts to go here so do people's hearts and it gets easier And then I've seen people say, you know what, I'm going to do more. Over and above, I I want to give an offering over and above what God has asked me to bring back to Him. Because all of a sudden their hearts get connected to their money in the right way. And their heart goes where they start spending their money and their life is changed. I know for some people, you think it's impossible for me to do that. You don't know how much debt I'm in. You don't understand what my lifestyle is like. Well, if we would stop doing silly things with debt, you you might be able to get here. I mean, if you would have been living on the 80% instead of living on the 120% that got you in debt, you would be at a place where you could do this. Doesn't that make you feel better? (laughs) I'm sorry, you know. It's like, wow, that's encouraging. If, if If you're one of those people... And you've got to really plan to get to this, to this, to God's ideal. There's something coming up at the first of the year at LifePoint you've got to take part in. It's called Financial Peace University. I've got to make a plug for it. First, uh, The last week of November, first week of December, we're going to have kind of a preview day over in the other theater back there where you can go in and watch like a 15-minute video about it and sign up for it. But you've got to do it. You can go to DaveRamsey.com and read about it. It will change the way you think. And it teaches this principle, this biblical principle of 10-10-80. Here's what I want you to do this week. Spend some time figuring out how you can get here. Because I know we all spend time. You ever spend time at the table with a calculator and a spreadsheet trying to figure out how you can get the new car or the new house or the new vacation? And like hours, it's like, well, if we take here and we cut that off and we do this and move all. Spend the same. If, let me tell you this. If it takes an hour to figure out if you can afford it, you can't. I mean, that's pretty simple. Spend the same amount of time figuring out how can we get to this, to God's ideal. How can we get there? I mean, for some of you, it's as simple as going home and writing a check to, to, to something you're going to give to, to your savings account and living on the rest. For some, it's going to take some planning and figuring things out. And I'm not saying this. This is the last time I'm going to say this. I'm not saying this so our offering goes up. I'm honestly not. It might, that might be the result, but I'm saying this because you need to hear, I need to hear this. Because this pulls so much on our hearts and, and takes us in directions we don't want to go and causes so much stress and so much stress on relationships and causes us to do things we normally wouldn't do. If we could just pull that away and start to live by God's ideal, you'll find this 80 percent is more than enough to get you through life. I want you to repeat after me, God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more. Let's pray. God, thank you for this instruction in Scripture that on the surface might not seem spiritual at all. But Lord, anything that tugs at our heart like money does, we know is spiritual. Father, I pray uh, for those of us who are in a position where we just can't arrange things to your ideal. I pray you'd give us the courage and the strength to make the decisions and predetermine how we can get to where you want us to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.